0: Hello and welcome to UXSoup, a podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experience of personal devices and services in the home, in the car, and on the go. As always, UXSoup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients with insights, analysis, and expertise. I'm Chris Schreiner. Diana and Lisa have the podcast off today. So last week, Lisa and I discussed UX issues around remotely monitoring health and wellness. Today, we are continuing the healthcare theme to talk about a project that caught our eye about equitable healthcare design. Heading up the UX portion of this work is his friend of the podcast, Dr. Santosh Basiper. Santosh first appeared on UXSoup back in episode five to talk about conducting healthcare research during the pandemic. Santosh is the director of design at Rush University Medical Center. Santosh, welcome back to UX Soup.
1: I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, everyone. And hello, Chris.
0: I saw the uh, press release that came out about this equitable healthcare design project. Could you tell us a bit about what it is and how it came about?
1: Sure. So um, as you know, uh, I'm an assistant professor in uh, Rush Medical College and uh, the Graduate College at uh, Rush University, as well as the Director of Design of uh, Rush University. So As part of my role, I have to create alliances that bring different strategic partnerships to the table. So as part of that, uh, and because I'm also a user experience designer with the human factors background, I first reached out to my alma mater, which is IIT Institute of Design. So together we started exploring what could we do on the health sciences and healthcare design side that is a good collaboration between a design school and a health sciences university. And as part of that, uh, this project came about. We said, how can we bring human-centered design and people-centered services to the discussion of equitable care, which has been shown to be significantly lacking, especially in light of the COVID situation that we went through the two waves and the the whole uh, overwhelming of the system. So that's the context in which we started thinking about how do we have an impact? How do we create primary care that could have addressed such waves of COVID-like infection? and what would be a role of a human factors or a designer at the table of such projects? So that's the background in which we came this came about.
0: So for some of our listeners that might not be as up on what's going on in healthcare, what are some of these equitable issues that we're seeing?
1: <laughs> it will need a dissertation to explain now <laughs> but uh, uh, that aside uh, i would say like uh, it's about access to healthcare it's about access to preventative care it's about access to services once you um, get into some kind of a disease or a chronic uh, condition situation so equity comes in healthcare in different shapes and forms right it, it it could be as simple as I don't have access to a pharmacy, or I don't have access to healthy food. Uh, and and uh, if you know the Chicago population, you'll know that we have certain neighborhoods that have everything and certain neighborhoods that have actually nothing. So, uh, for example, a couple of uh, places uh, uh, my project uh, is working in is Garfield Park and areas around there on the west side of Chicago. And those are 98% traditionally african american and and not having a clinic not having a pharmacy are are the examples of equitable healthcare issues that we are trying to address
0: with such a large systemic issue how do you even mm-hmm. begin to go about doing research to try and resolve this from a ux or human factors perspective
1: thank you and and that's uh, yeah that's a great question and uh, that's why we started not by saying okay santosh basapur the researcher will go and address this because it's way beyond one person yes nice. <laughs> so we set up a partnership so this equitable healthcare initiative is between rush and institute of design rush university and institute of design and I, on the university on the university side on the rush side i am co-leading this for um lot of different people who are going to participate in this. There are care providers, there are other professionals who will be participating in the project. And on the Institute of Design side, there's something called an Action Lab. And the healthcare initiative of Action Lab is being, held, uh, is being led by a very close colleague of mine, uh, Kim Irwin. And she's very, very experienced at creating big healthcare initiatives she even set up um, health, uh, Healthcare Delivery Institute at UIC a few years ago. So we are bringing the right expertise and domain knowledge and fresh perspective to the table because of which we are even thinking that we have a shot at addressing some of these systemic issues. So we are, we are very humbled by the systemic issues. We know them. We know that they're big. We know that they're deep, uh, wide and deep, right? So but. We are also trying to create a collaboration that is wide and deep in order to try and tackle these issues. So we are working with College of Nursing, Dr. Angela Moss. She has formed numerous clinics that have been embedded in the community and serve these communities very well. So we are trying to learn from her how she initiates these clinics and what is the innovation around that clinical care model. We are bringing Kim Irwin to the table because she is an expert in healthcare delivery design and service design. We, you have me at the table who works as a systems analyst and systems perspective researcher and designer. Uh, and in like uh, innovation being one of the backgrounds from my previous industry job. So we are bringing like these kind of different expertises to the table so that we can try and model these existing issues and go about it in a systematic way to address those root causes so could you tell us a bit about
0: maybe some of the the early projects that you're starting to work on like what methodologies are you using like how do you even start to do this research
1: what happens with traditional project design is that we think of a project and then we go to the community to say what can we do about this project with you so as soon as we even thought of that we realized that that itself is a position where we are saying what we want to do So we didn't even do that. So the first thing we did was we conducted, uh, uh, Kim and I literally, Kim started a few of these interviews and then I joined and we did more of them. We talked to all the providers that we knew who are actually providing healthcare services in the community about what is their perception of what's going on and what are they having success at and what are they struggling with in order to provide services. Then we, I, I had uh, done a previous study in uh, health primary healthcare needs and Kim had also done some. So we pulled our previous experiences and we went to our community partner who is um, the community builders in uh, Garfield Park. So we went to our, uh, our director of services that we know who works for TCB, the community builders. She introduced us to three groups of people with whom we did like an introductory co-design session to learn about what does even healthcare mean to them, and where should we even start? And that combination of groundwork led to us starting this equitable healthcare project that you mentioned, and then we did a symposium around it to bring some experienced people to talk about those issues, and the combination of all these elements led to our first basic project, which is we are trying to do what we call uh, defining it as a community-effective primary care. Uh, nursing led primary care model so we're trying to create that first model of ours to see if it works and as part of family medicine i'm also trying to see how we can change the primary care model from ground up through this effort so this that's that will be our first effort
0: some of this sounds a bit Close to citizen science, so getting members of the community. You're doing more than just interviewing them. You're getting them actually involved in. Are they involved in doing the research themselves?
1: Yes. So it's 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 like as grounds up or as grassroots levels as it gets. You're right. I would. So citizen science again becomes a very fancy term, but that's where we are headed. I would. I would like to say, but I think this is more of right now we are letting the people in the community define what is an effective or a socio-culturally effective model of primary care. And we are, when they give those ideas, then we are trying to design a service that fits that idea rather than us saying, here is a model, does it fit you? So rather than asking them to evaluate a concept that we have, we are trying to generate a concept around their ideas let them finalize it, let them evaluate it with us, and then we'll try to say that hey, here is a new model that we're thinking about that is very community effective and community created rather than a pilot of a model that we created.
0: So what are some of the, the main challenges that you've faced so far in, in doing this?
1: It's been an uh, emotional trip. So when you, when you go to the teenagers and ask them about, hey, what does healthcare mean to you? I, and I'm this. This comment by one teenager I'm never gonna forget. He says, "You know what is healthcare for me, Santa?" He's like, "It's me telling the doctor what I'm feeling, and then the doctor telling me about what I'm feeling in a language that I don't understand." That's healthcare. <laughs> and and so we we have a long way to go. You know what I mean? Like it's about it's it's such fundamental factors as trust in the system, trust in the providers. It's about building that camaraderie, building that counseling. or And these are like people in the community who have seen a lot of trauma. And COVID has worsened it, right? Chicago has always had the slow-moving pandemic of violence and drugs and all these other issues. I call them slow-moving pandemics because they have been happening for years and for decades. And just COVID was one of those fast-moving pandemics. So it's like there was already trauma. COVID superimposed more trauma. And so now you're dealing with a society that needs a, a group of people that really needs the infrastructure that, that needs to hold them up, that needs to provide for their basic healthcare needs and built for their well-being. It's not just about addressing the health of it, but also the long-term sustenance of the community as a whole, right? So the challenge has been to deal with the understanding that a lot needs to be done. So how do we start building the small Lego bricks so that actually the the whole Lego toy can be built, right? We need to start at the bricks level. So we are trying to identify those bricks that will help us build the larger solutions. And, And we understand that even if we are doing small clinics, the solution ultimately might be at the state level and the national level, because this has to inform the policy and this has to change the policies around healthcare and how healthcare systems are designed and not just one clinic in the community. We right. do understand that, but that's the challenge and that's the good or bad part of it. That's why we're doing the research.
0: So are there any other uh, things from the research that you could share, any other anecdote stories, findings?
1: Yeah, so uh, for example, uh, what are the needs, right? Like what are the actual needs? And it's becoming clearer and clearer like in, in the different groups that we hold and different discussions that we hold. It's, it's about services not being sensitive to the socio-cultural context of each community. Like the teens in the community want more access to—they play sports. They want sports medicine kind of access. They want nutrition access. They want access to simple things like condoms, right? Like there, there is things that that the teens need that uh, we need to have as part of whatever we provide. It it cannot just be a primary care that is for adults, and then we're trying to just fit it to the teens mm-hmm. and it will work. It it won't. It's not a copy-paste service design model. Uh, same thing with older adults. There's so much trauma throughout the life that as the aging process happens, the mental health services that they need are going to be significantly different from how we have ever conceptualized mental health services. So trying to work with social workers, trying to work with community health workers, and creating those array of mental health services is going to be a big contribution if we can do it. So those are really needed. Like yesterday we were doing a group, and an older lady was like, Santosh, we have seen trauma at a level that you can't even imagine. So when you say when you ask me what mental health wellness should be, I can't even begin to answer you. Yeah. So and and I being just a researcher. I don't even feel I should ask that question because guess what? It might need actually a trained mental health professional to even unpack what she's trying to communicate. Uh So even as a researcher, my toolkit might be short to even empathize with what her situation is. So when people like that are opening up their heart, saying we want people to understand us and then design for us is a big lesson learned. Um, Another anecdote was uh, the way I told you about teenagers. I asked the teenager, "Okay, what is trust for you? How do you think we can design so that you are able to trust the service we are thinking of? He says, don't beat around the bush. Give me a talk that is straight up. And he puts quote unquote straight up in his uh, comment to us. I'm like, wow. So people know what they're going through. You don't have to beat around the bush. I just address the issue directly and, and the teens and the uh, mothers with young kids and the old adults they'll all appreciate that it's, it's come down to the level where you, you can't just try to soft walk around the issues it's its better to even bring it up directly and talk it out and say what we can handle what we cannot handle as a team and move on to other issues that we want to explore with them so these are some of those anecdotes that really strike out and it's, it's, it becomes like a really good insight into why we need to do this and and motivates the group to keep doing the work that we are trying to do
0: absolutely with any ux research you have to have stakeholder buy-in and all that and you have stakeholders that are from like you mentioned just the individual physician in an individual clinic to you know pharmaceutical or pharmacies being serving particular areas to kind of just general the fabric of society and how society has kind of evolved how have you tried to get as much stakeholder buy-in so that anything that you've any results that you come up with can actually be implemented
1: uh, and that's the good part of being in two universities at the same time right iit institute of design has action lab and they have they're putting in every effort they can to build what they call as the collaborative around this. So they are trying to bring in private companies, be it pharma, be it insurance providers. They're trying to build a network of companies that usually are design project needs, like a user experience, design, research, and design project needs. And on Rush University side, we are trying to build in how can the students participate? How can the providers participate? How can the system, that the Rush system participate? So we are trying to bring the the community-based organizations, the healthcare system care providers, the companies, as well as designers to the table. So it's like a very, very multifaceted uh, approach to building stakeholder buy-in. And one of the first steps we did, which is why even you realize that we are doing this, is the symposium. We conducted the first community-effective primary care symposium. And even the speakers we selected were... People from as varied backgrounds as a community health worker, a person who is running clinics in the community, a person who is a director of mental health services, as well as a designer who is an anti-racist user experience designer. So kind of the people we chose are like a very microcosm of what the ultimate project and partnerships and stakeholders will look like. Uh, and that's why it actually got on the radar of people because that that approach was new and that approach is fresh, and uh, and it's uh, bringing hopefully the right stakeholders. And even at this point, I'm totally open to any stakeholder suggestion that we may not be addressing. So my eye, ears are burning for any good suggestions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what is kind of the next step in this research agenda in this in this process? What what project are you working on right now?
1: So the community effective project is hoping to create its initial models by the end of this year, um, after which we have submitted funding to American Nursing Foundation to see if we can um, pilot this in a few community-based clinics that we know of, uh, that, we, that uh, College of Nursing at Rush University leads. So we're thinking of trying to pilot some of these services within those um, clinics. As well as our community-based partner, uh, the community builders, has multiple locations in the community that have similar needs. So we are trying to expand the research to those places to see if that adds any different perspective based on the different locations. Because we, uh, uh, Kim Irwin uh, always tries to talk about place-based health services. And I know that as a systems designer, if it is not place-informed or context-informed, it won't work. So, we're trying to even expand this research project to get those different community needs addressed in different areas of, like, geographical areas of Chicago. So, we're trying to expand that. And that all should unfold in next spring. In summer, we're again, we're trying to grow this program, right? We're trying to create joint educational opportunities because the more people we can get engaged, especially from the industry or corporations, the better stakeholder buy-in we will get into this space. So we are even trying to see what can we do which can help people appreciate the issues at play here and appreciate what their role is in this system of care and in this way of dealing with these systemic issues and see if we can build even deeper partnerships so people who are trained who know the issues as well as have a position within their corporation so they can actually create some change. So one is to go to the ground roots, uh, like grassroots of the community, but also the other is to go deeper into organizations to set this ball rolling.
0: Well, Santosh, this is excellent work. Um, it looks like it could have a, a huge impact in Chicago, and not just Chicago. But I mean, when you look at trying to provide equitable healthcare, I mean that's not that's not a Chicago only problem.
1: It's not, and and that's what keeps us going, right? It's like even if it's a one small idea and if we can pilot it in a few places, then we can actually be able to partner with other communities and try it elsewhere. Like, uh, It's across all the different states of the United States, so it, there, there's a lot to be done here.
0: So you mentioned the symposium, Santosh. If any of our listeners were interested in seeing any of the talks from there or digging deeper into this project, how could they do that?
1: Uh, definitely, Chris. I will share the link of the symposium to you it's a full session uh, video recorded and released as part of our social media campaign to spread awareness and we have actually gotten clearance from the speakers at the symposium to release their uh, slides so you should have linked to even the slides that were used as part of the symposium so uh, you should have all the materials you can put it as a link in your notes or something for the yeah. podcast audience
0: yep we'll have them in our in our show notes excellent all right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Santosh. It's always good to catch up with you. Um, love the work that you do and uh, keep us posted.
1: Definitely. Thank you so much for reaching out and having us on the show. I, I'm, I'm using the word us because I'm only <laughs> representing a huge partnership here. So yep. thank you. All
0: right. Thanks, Santosh.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: Well, if you have any questions about the healthcare user experience or would like to send us any questions you may have, you can email us at UXSoup at strategyanalytics.com The show notes on our podcast website which is ux-soup.com has links to the symposium that we talked about as well as our own recent research on healthcare and there you can also connect with each of us on LinkedIn A reminder that UX Soup is sponsored as always by Strategy Analytics Check out the latest user-focused insights in mobile, automotive, and the smart home by visiting strategyanalytics.com Thanks for joining us Bye for now